Well, good morning, everyone. I get to introduce uh, Ben Woodman this morning. Ben's going to be teaching. I invite you to come up, Ben. Ben's been around, I don't know, two, three years, a couple years. And also, the, the bonus with Ben is that he sometimes works out of our offices, which is always a great little pick-me-up in the middle of the week to have the energy of Ben come into our space. And I guess if you're ever needing office space, you know, let us know, because then you could yeah, work with Ben. We could work together. It's a good time whenever Ben's there. Um, but what do you do again? What's your role? The global, some, yeah. what is it? Uh, I head up like Alpha for Youth. Alpha, Alpha for Youth yeah. globally. Yeah. That's not your title, but that's no, what you like do. International Youth Coordinator. Yeah, no big deal. International Youth Coordinator. Um, <laughs> half time. Half time. Yeah. 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 Good. That's all I'm sure yeah, you could fit that into 20 hours a week, no problem. <laughs> But uh, so Ben does a lot of work with Alpha. He's been around. And uh, one of my favorite things about Ben is just the hope he carries within him that is not put on and it's genuine. And so, so thankful that you're teaching this morning. Let's say a quick prayer and then off you go. Jesus, thank you for uh, all the truth behind who you are and that we only catch a, a glimpse of it. We only know in part uh, we pray today you would lead us to knowing a bit more, to beholding, to seeing. Pray you would prime curiosity within us to, to consider what you're like, and that you'd use Ben. Give Ben much grace as he opens uh, scriptures to us. Thanks for his work this week in serving us in this way, and we are so grateful for Ben, and welcome him in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Lance. Yeah. Thank you. I, uh, I'm like super nervous, but I'm so excited. And so thank you, Lance, uh, for giving me the chance to share. One of my favorite things is to talk about God. It's like literally one of my favorite things to do. Uh, one time I dropped out of a Bible college class because I felt like the professor was boring me on my favorite subject, which was God. And so I was like, I'm out. No way. I can't listen to this guy talk. He's boring me, and God's my favorite. I don't want anyone to bore me about God. And so... Uh, that's just a little, that was a long time ago. Would I still do that? Yeah, probably. I mean, I guess I probably would. Uh, quick introduction. Um, I am married to Melissa. My wife, Melissa, she's here this morning, and uh, she's my best friend. We have sleepovers like every night, and uh, I'm a proud uncle to uh, some of the kids who go to this church, proud uncle to lots of kids, but um, Christian, Clara, and Rose, who I like to call Bonnie. Uh, do you guys know Christian and Clara? I mean, I'm just so grateful, and Rose, I'm just so grateful to Rochelle and Corey. Rochelle's my sister, and I'm just so grateful that they made those kids that I could love and be their uncle. And uh, I, I was a youth pastor for uh, about 12, youth pastor, youth leader for about 12 years. And uh, that's a long time in the youth pastor game, so to speak. I was, uh, you know, after two years, a lot of youth pastors are like looking for the next gig, like either another youth pastor job or the associate pastor role. And for some reason, I was just like, no, like, I love, there's something about being with young people and seeing their faith come alive. Maybe it's their parents' faith, they inherited it, and then there's a moment where it comes alive, and I'm like, oh, I just love that. And so, um, so I'm not as excited to talk to you as I am to talk to young people, because with grown-ups, the eyes don't light up as much. And so, but... Uh, no, it's, it, oh yeah, thank you. Yeah, just, I'll light my eyes up. <laughs> um, but, so over the years, I, I did youth pastoring, and then now I start, I work for Alpha. We got, I got to be part of this really exciting project. We made an, we put Alpha on video for youth. And so Alpha Canada had, headed that up, 
and uh, we put Alpha on Video for Youth, and now they use our, our videos all over the world, and they, they translate it into like 20 plus different languages, and, uh, and I got to be one of the hosts of the video, and so I actually speak Spanish, I speak French, I speak Portuguese, I speak, and so it's pretty fun to watch yourself speak another language, and uh, to feel connected with people all over the world, and so that's really fun, and as I got into this new role with Alpha, so I went from being a youth pastor to now full-time with Alpha, and then one of the things I get to do now is speak to youth pastors, and I was going to this youth pastor conference uh, called the National Youth Workers Conference, and uh, I think it was in uh, Sacramento, uh, so this is a few years ago, and uh, I was like super nervous to go to this youth pastor. I'm like, I'm a youth pastor, yes, but I don't feel like an expert. I feel like a student still. I'm still learning. I make tons of mistakes. I don't feel like the most spiritual guy in the room. And so I was super nervous going to this youth pastor conference. And then also the guys and girls at youth pastor conferences, there's, there's with any industry, there's ego, right? You're trying to like present yourself well. And so I was like, just, I just was not looking forward to the ego and like comparing and oh, how good is, is your youth group and my youth group? And so I was, I was going to this conference and I was like, Lord, I need something. So I remember I had a, like a quiet time, uh, you know, a time with Jesus. And uh, I think it was just randomly that I landed on this scripture. But I want to show you guys this scripture. I read it out of the message translation. And it says this, Jesus is talking and he says, do you want to stand out? Then step down. Be a servant. If you puff yourself up, you'll get the wind knocked out of you. But if you're content to, be simply, to simply be yourself, your life will count for plenty. So this was just a part of my, uh, this reading plan that I was working through. And I, I read this verse, and I was like, oh, that's perfect. That's exactly what I need. And then I was like, oh, but wait. It says, but if you're content to simply be yourself, your life will count for plenty. I was like, oh, okay. Well, who is simply myself? You know what I mean? I was like, that's a big question. Who am I? Right? Identity question. I was like, who am I? But, but thankfully, the Lord's been teaching me over the years, and so I have an, a, a ready answer for that question. I'm a loved son. That's who I am. I'm a loved son. So that morning, I took time just going, just trying to be content, simply being myself. Who am I? When everything's stripped away, who am I? I'm a loved son. I'm a loved son. And so then that, that does something inside, right? That did something in my heart. And... I just felt like so loved. I felt secure. I felt like, oh yeah, I'm forgiven, right? Because usually when I think about how loved I am, I think about all my mistakes. Sometimes I go like this, but I always try to remember in prayer to go, no, no, bring it all. Bring the good and the bad and the ugly. And, I, and I, I'm like, oh wow, I'm loved. And so then I, what happened was it was a really cool thing that God was teaching me. And he was saying, okay, now live from that place. Live from there. And so then I, I went to this youth pastor conference, and then my eyes were, I was looking at people in a different way. I was like, oh, if I'm a loved son, then you're a loved daughter, right? If I'm a loved son, then you're a loved son. And I'm like, and you're so loved. Like, that was the sense that I like, like really kind of lean into it, like, so loved. And so then I didn't care who the people were. Sometimes I'm the kind of guy who, like, if there's important people in the room, I'm, like, looking around, like, oh, you're, like, you're in a conversation with someone, and I'm kind of, because I'm tall, I can like, look over your head. I'm going to look over your head, and I'm kind of like, oh, that guy's more important than you, <laughs> right? And you kind of go, oh, cool, 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 bro. And you're not even listening, and they're, like, sharing their heart. And then I was like, no, because this is a love son in front of me. So I, like, I just gave all that up, and I was just like, I just want to look at this person in front of me. So anyone I met, I just kind of lean in. I'm like, who are they? I had a few friends who are really good at this, and so I learned from them. I love how they treat people, cashiers, service industry people, waiters, whatever it is. They're like, they just look at them. They're like, who is this person? They're a treasure. And I try to learn from that, right? And I got that sense when I went to this scripture but if you're content to simply be yourself, your life will count for plenty. I was like, oh God, help me do that. I just want to be one who serves. I want to be one who looks at people as love, children of God. 
and uh, live from that place. And uh, over the years, I've been following Jesus. You know, when you start to look back as we get older, a lot of you are old like me. You go, wait, how many years have I been out of high school? Uh, I've been, and I'm like, what? My 20-year reunion's coming up? I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm old. And, uh, and that, but I'm one of those guys who's pumped to get old. I'm like, I can't wait. I love getting old. Sometimes people, they're gentle when you get, I'm getting close to 40 now, so they're like, oh, you're, like, you're older. And I'm like, no, dude, I love it. I love it. And so uh, I, got, I found a gray hair this past birthday. I was just pumped. Um, but over the years, the battle for me in my faith has been taking spiritual practices, discipleship, spiritual disciplines, and, and everything about my faith, and rescuing it from, let me just pick a side here. Uh, this would be your right-hand side. So uh, wait. Wait, rescuing it from, which, which, let me, hold on. Rescue it, this is the left, this is your left side, right? Yeah, okay. So I want to rescue the spiritual disciplines and the spiritual practices out of a religious system or a religious checklist, and I want to rescue them and bring them into a relational framework and a relational system, because religion kills it just destroys. And, and it's so easy for us as we follow Jesus, as we're apprentices of Jesus, that, our, that we, uh, what happens is we, we kind of go to checklists. Do's and don'ts. Do these practices. Don't do these. Like definitely don't swear. I've, I've been a youth pastor for a long time. So don't do the, do the sex and don't swear. That's like the two biggest rules. And then you read. And, and so that's the rules. And there's a checklist. Are you swearing? No. Are you doing the sex? No. Good. Okay. And you're good. You're good. You're loved because of all those. No. But we, what we do is we love the measurements. And we don't really love it, but we do. The measurement feels safe. It feels quantifiable. And so I bring it over into the measurement category. And I'm like, okay, I'm good. I know if I've done good or I know if I've done bad. And so, but what I'm trying to do is rescue it from religious systems and checklists and bring it over is I just I'm getting a little bit embarrassed because I'm getting so excited is that okay can I just do that's okay thank you okay thanks Dan thank you okay I'm just like I'm like Lance doesn't usually get yell this loud and I love Lance I love like one of the reasons I came to the church was Lance I was like Lance just speaks Jesus in Vancouver so well and so uh I, and I love Christian and Clara and Bonnie and so that's why I'm here okay so what we're we talking about, we're talking about rescuing, so we've got to take it out of a religious checklist and bring it over into a relational framework. That hasn't been easy for me over the years. That's been really hard because I constantly find myself slipping back into an easy, quantifiable, measurable do's and don'ts. Am I cheating on my wife? No. Good. I'm good. I'm, I can stand before the king of heaven and the creator of the universe. Lord, I didn't cheat on my wife. I'm good. Am I, you know, am I, did I read my Bible? No. I'm bad. Okay. I didn't pray as much as I thought I should. Okay, I'm, I'm definitely bad. And I kinda, you kind of go move up and down this, this imaginary ladder in this, this checklist world. And it's so destructive. And Jesus, you don't hear this language of measuring in the New Testament. Jesus didn't talk about, he talked about follow me. He talked about relationship. He talked about walk with me, learn from me, be with me. And this is the, the framework that we, we got to work from. And for me, it's like, I'm like, God, help me. Because measuring, it does two things. It makes me either uh, feel super prideful and self-righteous, which actually people in Vancouver love self-righteous people. Like if you want to like really impress Vancouverites, just be self-righteous and prideful. Okay, that, we love that. And so then the other side or is you, if you're not doing super good, you feel totally like ashamed and guilty and you're just b- bottom of the barrel. You're like, I'm not good enough. And eventually in your faith, you'll probably give up because you're like, I can't keep up. I can't do this. I'm not good enough. I can't keep up. But if you rescue it from a, a, a religious system that brings death, the spirit of the law, and you bring it into a spirit of life in Christ, 
It's relational. It's love. It's, it's I want to do good. Beca- I want to love because I've been loved. I want to I serve because I've been served. I want to I sacrifice it all because he sacrificed it all. And I want to live from that place. I want to live from the loved relational place. But it's so easy to just get pulled back in. And this morning, the practice we want to look at, we're practicing the way of Jesus. And I get to look at the, the subject of solitude. And this is something you see that Jesus did. But everything we're talking about in this whole series, we have to move it. If, you're, if you've done this, like me, you leave it in a religious to-do list. Even our 40 days, right? Okay, what do I have to do today? What do I have to check off today? No, no, bring it all into relationship. Bring it all into apprenticeship. Bring it all into being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and learning to do what Jesus is doing. And so bring it all. So today the subject we're looking at is solitude. I think uh, the best way to describe solitude would be learning to be alone with ourselves and with God. Learning to be alone with ourselves and with God. And Jesus did this. This is who we're learning from. We're learning from Jesus. In, uh, in Mark 1, he's as this big, uh, J- Jesus has a really busy day. He's healing people. He's teaching. And it's this long day. And it says even after sunset, people are coming to him to be healed and bringing sick people to him after sunset. And then it says very early the next morning, Mark 1.35 says, it says very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Jesus' popularity is growing. Luke 4, 15 says, The news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and be healed of their sickness. Verse 16 of Luke 4 says, But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Uh, In his book, Recapturing the Wonder, uh, author Mike Cosper talks about how this, this withdrawing of Jesus wasn't uh, wasn't, wasn't, you know, it, was, it happened a lot. After his baptism, he disappeared into the desert for 40 days. Through his ministry, he returned to solitude. He withdrew uh, after the death of John the Baptist, who was a friend of his, a family member of his. Mark and, Luke bo- Mark and Luke both describe him rising early and seeking desolate places. On the night before his crucifixion, he famously went to the Garden of Gethsemane with the 12, and there he left them alone even. Think about that moment, how heavy his soul was. And instead of just saying, guys, I need distraction. Can we, let's all drink together late into the night. The Last Supper, that's not what you read, right? I got a hard day coming. Let's all drink together. No, no, he says, hey, let's, he goes, he goes with the guys to Gethsemane and then he pulls away and he starts praying and he's alone with the Father. And this quote from Mike Cosper in his book, Recapturing the Wonder, says, this pattern of withdrawal doesn't mark Jesus as a special case and isn't a reflection of his divinity. Instead, it's a perfect expression of his humanity. A body has limited resources, And what we do each day depletes those resources, our physical energy, our psychological energy, our capacity for empathy, and even our capacity to make decisions. Jesus incarnate and embodied experienced these limits. If you have one of the Bibles or if you have your own, you can open up to Mark uh, chapter 6, verse 31. That's on page 703, whereas I'm going to open up my Bible too. But what we see is Jesus, it wasn't just Jesus. 703, I wonder what it is in mine. Guys, no, that's not it. <laughs> I got so excited. I was like, oh my gosh, it's the exact same. It's not. Mark 6, 31. He says to his disciples, says, then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Verse 32, so they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. That sounds nice, doesn't it? 
going on a boat to a solitary place. If you don't know how to swim, you might be a little bit more afraid of water, but for most of us, that sounds cool. Like, just get in a boat, go to a solitary place. I picture that island, where is it, in like Switzerland or something? I sometimes see it on Instagram. You know that one with a little castle on the island? Anyhow, like, let's just go to a solitary place. But Jesus, he didn't just do it himself. He said, hey, this is, this is what it's like to be a disciple of Jesus. If you go left a, a page or two to Mark 3, just turn the page of, of the Bible, and Mark 3, verse 14, it's talking about when Jesus first called his disciples. And this verse always struck me. Verse 13 says, Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to those, in verse, okay, so 3, 13, Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. It says he appointed 12 that they might be with him. It's like you don't really need to say that, right? But that's like, it's like really important. Mark's like, no, this is what he appointed them for, to be with him, to learn from him. And so it's like, that's what we're invited into. We're invited into as, as modern day apprentices, followers, disciples of Jesus, the living king, the resurrected Jesus who's alive today, who you can know, I, uh, the Pope tweeted, or no, I, I get the Pope's, I subscribe to the Pope's tweets, and uh, you can also follow him on Instagram, and he does it in a bunch of different languages, which is cool. Actually, I think he has a bunch of different Twitter accounts in different languages. On Instagram, it's, it's the Pope, and it's a really not a fancy video. Like, Brittany, she makes cool videos, right? But I, it's not a cool video. You, he should hire Brittany to make cool videos. And, but it's like just an uh, ugly bookcase. We do that a lot. Like when you're like, let's make a video. Okay, bushes or bookcases. Okay, that's what we do. And so he go, they make, right? You know what I'm talking about, Lance? It's like, oh, shoot, we're going to do this video for the internet. Let's do, oh, let's go outside to the bushes. Great. Yeah, that's so normal. Sorry, you're distracting me, Lance. The... And the Pope's sitting there. Why am I telling you about the Pope? Oh, yeah, because it's about being with them. And the Pope, he's saying young people. He's speaking Italian. I can't speak Italian. I don't think he speaks it that well either. He's from Argentina, I think. And so he says, young people, he says, you need to go to Jesus in the place of prayer. And he starts talking about encouraging young people to go to the place of prayer. And one of the things that struck me as I'm reading what he's saying, I'm like, oh, he actually believes Jesus will meet them there in the place of prayer, that Christ will come alive, that we get to be with Christ. I was like so struck by that. You know, Lance told the story earlier this year when he was going for a spiritual retreat, the lead team were like, whoa, bro, you're getting wrecked, so you need to take some time off and restore your soul. And so he went, and he had a time off, and he met Daryl Johnson. That's is that right? Where was you? At a Starbucks or something? Probably not Starbucks. You're like Vancouver, like a coffee, different one. Matchstick, of course. Forgive me. <laughs> I'm going to write that in my prayers of the people later. Lord, forgive me for comparing matchstick. So... And he sees Daryl Johnson, he tells him that he has a great chat with Daryl, and then as he's leaving, he's going to where Barnabas or Rivendell, Keats Island, somewhere beautiful, right, a solitary place, and, and Daryl says to him, hey, remember, the Lord, he'll meet you there, he'll meet you there. He's there. When, sometimes when I pray, it takes me a minute to realize that he's not beyond the ceiling, he's in the room. Sometimes when I go for a walk and I turn my heart to the Lord, he's not far away, God of heaven, he's God of heaven and earth, and his spirit is in me and with me, and he's here. And he wants to teach me. And he wants to walk with me. He wants to encourage me and remind me who I am. I'm a loved son. And I want to live from that place. What happens, though, is being a, when we learn solitude, we have to learn to be alone with ourselves. I like what Mike, and that's one of the hardest parts, with ourselves and God. And then if we go to just the next slide, it's Mike Cosper says this. He goes, in solitude we seek God, but the first thing we encounter is ourselves. The real you shows up with all its embarrassing attributes. And then it lists some of our embarrassing attributes. 
Frustrated about your sex life? Tired of compulsively eating garbage? Well. Burdened by the shame of an addiction to pornography or substances? Solitude often forces us to look these sorrows square in the face and makes us reckon with a cold reality. We like our busyness. We like the chaos of our lives. We like it because it distracts us from ourselves. My friend Janice is, uh, she's from Trinidad. She was born in Trinidad and then she moved here and uh, she, she loves solitude. She loves getting, learning, she loves being alone with Jesus and herself. She loves that. She, when she talks about it, she talks about the Lord because she meets him there. And she talks about it in such a way, it's a treasured time for her. And it's a discipline, yes, but it's like, it's this, this restorative, beautiful thing that she's cultivated in her life. Now, what's interesting, though, is, is Janice is also an introvert. So introverts, you guys are like into this. You're like, oh, please, get me alone. And then I, I don't know if you could guess, <laughs> I'm not an introvert. I like to say my, my late grandmother, Helen Woodman, was, a, I think she literally, a Guinness had talked to her, oh, you're the most extroverted, friendly person in the world. Uh, they hadn't really, that was a joke, but she, she was so extroverted, my grandma, she would literally like, get, she would pick up the phone every day and call every single person she knew. She'd go into town and talk to every shop owner in town, and it's probably, you probably, and so then she just passed away last year, and so me and Rochelle and my sister were like, okay guys, we got to step up our game, and so at that point, a, a year ago, that when my grandmother passed, I was already the most extroverted most second most extroverted person I know after my grandmother and I was like oh shoot now I gotta step up my game and I gotta be number one so but 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 even me who loves people like if you talk about hey we're gonna be with people all day tomorrow lots of people you know lots of people you don't know I'm like I'm like so energized and jazzed by that some of you are like that sounds terrifying but for me I've I've tasted the solitary place with Jesus I've just tasted it. I'm not an expert. I'm embarrassed at how bad I am at it. But I've tasted it. And that's where I confront myself. But my gut reaction, though, if I think about solitude, is, is it's like I have the same visceral response as if someone said, hey, for the next two weeks, all you're eating is salad or healthy foods, even though they just said healthy foods. I go, ah. If they say, if they say hey, for the next six months, you're going to be exercising every day. I'd be like, oh, ha. Ah. And if you say, hey, you need to be alone with Jesus every day, ah, I got to, uh, really? And all of those things I know would be really good for me, <laughs> you know? It's important to eat healthy. It's important to exercise. And it's really important to be alone with Jesus. And there's this reaction where I go, oh, but then I go, wait, no, remember. Remember what he teaches you. Remember who he tells you who he is. But I, you have to face yourself. And when I come to face myself, I realize, oh, I'm not as much as I pretend to be. In the world, I, I bring all the best. This morning, I bring all the best. I bring my passion. I bring my hope. I bring my faith. If you don't have hope or faith, you can have some of mine. I'm bringing all the best. And I, but in solitude I, and quiet, all of a sudden, like all the gross stuff comes up. And I'm like, this is me. This is the real me. These are the things I struggle with. This is how prideful my heart is. This is how like, dark it is in there and selfish. This is how often and how I'm, I'm, I'm doing things out of anger or pride or lust. I'm just like, it's so gross in here. But I see that in solitude, and then the temptation is to hide that and just put my best to God. Hey, God, here I am. But no, 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 you've got to bring both. 
And the Spirit, he's so kind, he convicts. And, and conviction is, the, uh, is so beautiful. Repentance is so beautiful. Here, come, change your mind, rethink. We'll go a different direction. I want better for you. I made you. You're my son. I love you. But what about this stuff, God? No, no, I love you. When God, he wants to say it right when we get there. He wants to say, my daughter, you're so loved. And right then, this stuff comes up. It comes up in our minds. Our minds are spinning. My friend uh, Brandon, he has a beard, and he, he told me the other day how he was, uh, solitude for him is actually really hard because he it has nothing to do with his beard, but he, when he was growing up, he, he was bullied a lot growing up. And because he was bullied a lot growing up, he then, uh, the idea of being alone, it represents people don't want to be with me. So what's happening is in adult life now, he's not being bullied anymore, but now there's this reactionary cycle that he's, he's trying to break in his life. And so solitude for him means learning to be alone with himself. And with God, because alone and in that place, God says, no, 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 it's not, you're not, this isn't the same as rejection. This isn't the same as, uh, as loneliness. Loneliness and being alone are different. I love what um, Henry Nouwen said. He says, all human beings are alone. No other person will completely feel like we do, think like we do, act like we do. Each of us is unique, and our aloneness is is the other side of our uniqueness. The question is whether we let our aloneness become loneliness or whether we allow it to lead us into solitude. Loneliness is painful. Solitude is peaceful. Loneliness makes us cling to others in desperation. Solitude allows us to respect others in their uniqueness and create community. Letting our aloneness grow into solitude and not into loneliness is a lifelong struggle. It requires conscious choices about whom to be with what to study, how to pray, and when to ask for counsel. But wise choices will help us to find the solitude where our hearts can grow in love. You can be lonely and, and be surrounded by people. You can be, have a, a big family and be lonely. The other side of solitude is learning to be alone with God. Uh, my friend Mara, she's one of my most treasured friends. She's a Filipino Catholic. She moved here when she was 17. And I think the Catholics had a little bit of a head start in the solitude game, you know. And so they've been doing, you know, even centering prayer, stuff like this. They've been, they've been at it for a long time. And we're like, like non-Catholics, we're like, we're, we're the more, a little bit more on the Martha side sometimes. Like Mary and Martha, like, let's get things done. Let's change the world kind of thing. And they're doing that as well. But then they're like, hey, but wait, let's be centered, solitude. And so Mary, she's just awesome. I was ta talking to her about solitude and loneliness. And, and she reminded me of... Uh, Psalm 46. Uh, you know Psalm 46? Um, I think we'll, let's look it up. Page 393. Page 393, Psalm 46. I think it's also, if you don't have a pew Bible with you, we have um, those, it's in the bulletin too, the whole thing. On the piece of paper you're handed when you walked in the door. Psalm 46 is uh, the, most, the most popular passage is, uh, be still and know that I am God. You heard that one before? Let me read you Psalm 46 in that verse in context, though. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. Are you hearing this beginning? He's saying, we will not fear, though the earth give way. 
and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, and the waters are roaring and foaming, and the mountains are quaking. And it says, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at day, break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. Nations, I want to read that one again. Verse 6. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. Verse 7. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Verse 11, the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. If you do a Google search of be still and know that I am God, you end up with uh, an eagle flying sideways, soaring, effortless, lens flare, and maybe even a serene lake. All of it right there. And then you go to the next image, and it's be still and know that I'm God. And it's a lake, and it's an empty boat, just an invitation to just go on this peaceful lake. And it's actually sunrise. You can see the beautiful sun rising. And, it's, and if you Google be still and know, this might be in your house. It might be you might have one of these plaques or pictures. In your grandma's house, they might have a plaque, be still and know that I'm God. But when we look at the song, when we look at the, the songwriter's cry, he's saying, even when it's all going crazy... God's saying, stop, right? He's saying, hey, even when the mountains and there's earthquakes and the nations are in uproar, we can relate to this. I remember a few years ago when Russia's invading Ukraine, I'm like, what? This is a thing and we're not doing anything? What can we do? I just felt so helpless. And then even today, Justin Trudeau, Donald Trump, I'm like, are you kidding me? Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms will fall. And then the Lord in the middle of it says, Be still and know that I'm God. And in the context of the scripture, of the God of the Bible, the creator of the universe, this is a really good thing. Be still and know I'm the God who loves you, who made you, who created you, who's with you in the secret place. I'm beside you. What was the verse of the day on uh, uh, version? You guys use version? There's a verse of the day. I think it was today or yesterday. It says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. Jesus is the visible representation of the invisible God. And when you look at Jesus, how he treated people, how he cared for people, oh my goodness. And he says, be still and know that I'm God. I think of um, David's prayer when he says, uh, the Lord is my shepherd. And then he gets down to this part and he says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And I'm like, that's not the greatest time to stop for a meal, Lord. In the middle of our enemies, in the chaos of our lives, in the circumstances that you're going through, God says, stop, stop, stop. Ruth Barton, in her, in her book, Invitation, she calls it an invitation to silence and solitude. She writes about how this verse is about, another way to translate it is letting go of your grip. Just stop, let go of your grip. Give it back to God. Know he's God. When I looked, I did a, a, a while back, I, did a, like a, I looked at the Hebrew word, the phrase, a be still. And another way to translate the phrase be still is actually enough. And I just thought that was so fascinating. Enough. Know that I'm God. Enough. Uh, A few images come to mind. One is parents driving with their kids, and the kids are being crazy, and the mom or dad says, enough. I'm going to pull this car over. Another image comes to mind when 
uh, whatever habit or situation in my life I find myself in, unhealthy habit, and I get to a point where I go, enough, stop, it's gone too far. And in the middle of the storm, in the middle of the storms of our lives, Jesus, God the Father, he speaks by his spirit and he says, enough, be still. I love this because he doesn't change the circumstance. Necessarily. Jesus, when he calmed the storm, he's on the boat, there's a storm, and he says, be still to the waves and the winds, and it stops. And they're like, what? But oftentimes in our lives, and even if you just take the, maybe it's a situation or a tragedy, but it might just be the busyness of your life. The chaos of being a mom, being a dad, the chaos of your work and, your, and you're trying to find work and friendships and dating, whatever it is, we, we find it, it might just be in the middle of that. God's saying, stop, enough, be still, know who I am. Because when you know who I am, you get to know who you are. I'm your good heavenly father. When you weep, I weep. My heart is with you. My love is with you. And in the place of solitude is where you get to experience that and feel that the most. And if you don't experience it in a felt way, which I believe we are, uh, we get to. If you've never experienced the love and presence of God, I believe we do get to. So keep asking for that. But even in the moments when we don't, we don't always get to though. Even the moments when we don't, I sit there and I go, who am I? What's true about God? What's true about me? Dallas Willard says, solitude well practiced will break the power of busyness, haste, isolation, and loneliness. You will, see, you will see that the world is not on your shoulders after all. You will find yourself, and God will find you in new ways. Silence also brings Sabbath to you, rest to you. It completes solitude, for without it, you cannot be alone. Far from mere absence, silence allows the reality of God to stand in the midst of your life. God does not ordinarily compete for our attention. In silence, we come to attend. I like that. Silence allows the reality of God to stand in the midst of your life. God does not ordinarily compete for our attention. In silence, we come to attend. We come, okay, God, I'm here. Uh, one of our uh, practices that we practice through Alpha and we encourage people to do with their, when they run Alpha is make, we call it make space for God. Make space for God. That's maybe another way of summing this up. In your life, make space for God. When we're talking about being apprentices, I like how it says we're going to reorganize, we need to reorganize our lives around these three goals. Being with him, becoming like him, and doing the things he does. Because it takes a, a reorganizing and allowing the space to come. I, uh, I want to wrap up by just kind of going to a few things that I think practically how do we do this. And then we'll go to the table and we'll take communion together. And again, to be clear, uh, I feel like a real uh, learner. I got my learner's license in this. I still get pretty nervous. I, I still love uh, blaming me not spending time in solitude on other things, like Instagram. <laughs> well, I had to just get to the bottom where I hadn't seen the pictures, so I, that's why I could, I, oh shoot, Lord, sorry. I feel like uh, it's this beautiful path, 
And when I told people I was speaking on solitude, some of my friends, uh, got, uh, my brother-in-law, he goes, oh, have you, Thomas Merton, he's really good, you got to read Thomas Merton. Now the guy says, oh, Henry Nouwen, you got to read Henry Nouwen. Lance, has got, Lance had, a, has a, like, he sent me emails with quotes and stuff, and so I, I read them to you. And so, <laughs> and he let me choose, though. There was five times as many as I read. But I, but I love that. So everyone, there's all this stuff. Oh, solitude? Have you listened to John Mark Comer's, his message? Go, what, I'm like, when is it? January 7, 2017. Okay, going back, listening to his messages. Yesterday, instead of being silent, I bought an audible book, and I was listening to it about solitude. Oh, Lord, help us. I feel like I'm at the beginning of a path of like a hike, and I've heard it's really nice down there. I'm like, guys, all these people are coming back from this path, and they're the solitude path, and it's really hard, they tell me. And it's, I've heard it's awesome, though. Should we go? Should we do it? Let's go. Jesus is going to be there. You'll be, we'll be there together. Let's go. Let's go down the path. That's what I feel like. And so I really want to just say, hey, I need help. I need you to keep, like, challenging me to put down my phone. And, like, a few weeks ago, for some reason, in this digital age, for some reason, when, he, when Nelson put up the picture of that, uh, was it a New York Times artist, the, the schedule of the day, check phone, get out of bed, check phone, get in the elevator, check phone, eat breakfast, shower, check phone. You know, whatever, I mix up the elevator, you wouldn't shower. Anyhow, you get it. But all of a sudden, it hit me. I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, I have a problem. <laughs> And so, but let's, let's go. Let's do this. I, two ideas for uh, practice, practice, I would say, make it intentional and make it spontaneous. Kyle David Bennett, in his book, Practices of Love, I want to read some of the things he wrote. This is good. Remembering that pra- remember that practice solitude is about daily deeds. It's about consistency and frequency. Don't try to, take the, uh, don't try to be alone three days a month. Instead, carve out 15 minutes a day. Don't underestimate the value of, quote, taking a break in the bathroom. The restroom is a great space to step away from the crowd and talk to God. I don't know if you found that. Don't read the magazine or check your phone. Just sit there and think about how you're doing life with others and with God. Pray. Getting angry at the kids, frustrated with a spouse or roomies? If the washer and dryer in the basement or garage or down the street, go do the laundry. Take a little trip to the grocery store. Pick up something you need. Calm yourself. Talk to God. As we do this together, it's important that we schedule it in. I love journaling. I love asking God questions. The question I'm asking God right now is, who are you for me in this season of my life? I might have changes with work stuff coming up, and I'm just saying, who are you? I want to go there first, and I'll live from there. Who are you for me in this season of my life? My friend Brandon with the beard, he does palms up, palms down. He starts palms down, and he just just kills things in his heart and in his life that are stealing from his full life. Just palms down in a prayer. And he goes palms up and just receives. I'm glad we're coming back to the table because, uh, I mean, it's Jesus. It's a gospel. Lance, why don't you come? And, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about what the table represents. It represents uh, all that grace all that strength and perseverance and new life that come in Christ.